Exodus 15, 7 says, in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning agar, and it consumes them as chaff. Our, th- our uh, theme this year, I almost said our theory, our theme this year is excellence. And you know what? There are scriptures in the New Testament I could have taken it out of, but pretty much all our themes have been out of the New Testament, so I thought we would do one out of the Old Testament. And I really love, and in the greatness of your excellence, because we're talking about God here, and God and His greatness and His excellence. And so we're going to do just a quick review of the last couple weeks, just so we're kind of all on the same page. And I do this, and like this morning, quite a few people are gone and getting away for Martin Luther King uh, birthday and, you know, the whole get away for the weekend. So next weekend I do it. That way we kind of catch up. So uh, our theme is excellence. We're looking at excellence. It says in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And if we'll take this scripture and everything we do in word or deed, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, we'll end up doing it to a state of excellence, which what God has for us. We've talked about giving our best and uh, always always, always trying to total release and give everything we have. We've talked about the foundation and how uh, this is foundational for our lives. We talked about that in Matthew seven twenty four through 27, which I'm not going to read now, but that's where he built the house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. Talked about how um, God is our foundation. He built our foundation, which is the most important part. And what we're doing is building our lives or houses and, and building them with excellence. And that's what we're looking at this whole year is building our lives with excellence. And uh, then we looked at how God wants us, wants to help us build our lives. Um, so it is excellent. Psalms 127, one says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And, uh, and then it says in John 16, 12 through 15, it says, and I'm just going to read the first verse here, I think. It says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So God wants to help us through the Holy Spirit. He's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us. So we build in excellence. So we live in excellence that he has for us. Then we looked at last week how in building a house, God is the engineer, he is the architect, and he is the contractor. He is all the above. He's in charge of all of that. We looked at Romans 12, 1 through 2, and I'm not going to go through it now because it's going to take too much time. You know, you guys can go on a line to cmcnow.org and listen to the sermons. I think we have about the last six months worth. Is that accurate, Mikey? I think the last six months of sermons. So if you didn't, if you missed a Sunday, you want to go back and look it up. And normally my sermons are so good, you probably want to listen to them twice anyway. So I understand that. I get that. You can do that. But we talked about in, transform, in transforming, as it says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says that we present ourselves. It says it's by the mercies of God. And then we present ourselves. We don't transform ourselves. God transforms us. What we do is by the mercies of God, we present our lives to him, and then he comes and helps us. He's the one who transforms us so that we will have a life of excellence. 
We talked about, and this is where we ended off last week, that in our lives, just like you go on a construction site, and it may say, uh, please excuse my mess or something like that, our lives are still under construction. God's still working on our lives in each and every one of us. This church is still under construction spiritually. God's still working on us here. As it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For grace, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And we only talked about this a couple seconds last week, but in verse 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. It's from God, it's through God, it's because of God, it's all about Him. But as it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Some people also believe that even our faith is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And so we have salvation, we have God's grace, and even our faith is a gift of God. And I believe that God takes who we are as people and works with us. He works with us in our lives. He's given us free will. He's given us free choice that we walk in, and he wants to help us build this house of our lives. As it says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. That's what God's word tells us. You, we, us, me, we are his masterpiece. And he's still working on us. He's not finished with us yet. That's why we're part of the mess. We're still in construction. We're still working at this. But we don't believe sometimes that we're his masterpiece. But that's what God's word says about us. We are his masterpiece. And he's putting us together. We are like a, a masterpiece that's a, sometimes we're like a, a mosaic. You know, it's like parts of our lives have been shattered, and uh, God takes those pieces and just makes a beautiful masterpiece of a, masterpiece of a mosaic after, out of our lives. But it says here, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for good works. God wants us to be walking and living in good works. But as God always is, it says, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Even our good works, God prepares for us beforehand. Even our good works that he wants us walking in, he said, I'll prepare those for you. I'll help you with those. We need help every step of the way. You see, uh, sometimes as Christians... We get caught so much up into, what's the word I'm looking for? Legalism. Thanks, Dave. Good answer. In legalism. Even a lot of Christians get caught up in, in uh, um, as I always said, we said as, uh, we always said as a young kid, don't sneak, don't, don't, um, don't what, what was our saying? Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. And it's a bunch of rules. 
and regulations. A lot of a lot of people in the world and even a lot of Christians, it's just all about rules and regulations. That gets us bound in legalism. That gets us focusing on ourselves and our shortcomings, and it ends up bringing us down. What God wants us to do is realize that he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us with this whole thing. That's what we were talking about the first. He's given us his Holy Spirit to help us with this process of carrying out these good works which he prepared beforehand for us. So now I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8, if you guys want to go with me, and we'll get into the real meat of the message today. Romans 8, starting with verse 31, says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who was the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Or as some translations say, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, it says in verse 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Let's just stop there one second. If God is for us, if we're going to build our lives and build our lives of excellence, we have to understand that God is for us. God is a good God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And he goes on from there. And yes, that, that promise was for a particular people at a certain time, but the concept is throughout his word. Even here, as we're looking this morning. So it still applies to us because we see the concept throughout God's word. He has good plans for each and every one of us. He is a good God. Some people see God as, as like a dad who never has something good to say about their kids. You know, the kid gets an A- minus on a test, and dad's like, why didn't you get an A? You're smarter than that. But our God is there to encourage us, to exhort us, to come alongside us, to help us. And some of our dads probably weren't great dads. Some of our dads beat us down. Some of our dads weren't there for us. And there's all sorts of things, but God is a good daddy. And we have to start from that position. We have to start from there. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son. How much is God for us? That he did not even spare his own son, his only son, 
but delivered him over for us all. He delivered him over for us. And it says, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So God is for us, and what does he want to give us? All things. That's who our daddy is. Excellence. He wants to give us all things, and everything he gives us, he gives us is excellent. And he wants to give it to us in excellence. So what does this all things mean? What's he talking about with all things? You know what? I'll go on a little further here, and I'll come back to that. I'll try to remember to come back to that. Verse 33 says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who was the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God. In verse 34, it says, who was the one who condemns? And the answer is Christ Jesus. You guys know that? That's the answer right there. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. What does that mean? That's the question. In the original language, in the Greek, it actually means in the future. You see, the first time Jesus came, as it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 says... For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. The first time Jesus came to save, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The second time he comes, he comes back as the judge. And that's when there will be condemnation. That's when the great white throne judgment will take place. That's when all this stuff will go on. Right now, we're in a period of grace. That's available to all of us. And the first time he came, we came in grace. But the second time he comes, he will come as a judge. The good news as a Christian is your sentence has already been passed. He's already said all your sins are washed away. You don't have to worry about a second coming. Not only that, just to prove it, God tells us that not only does he say you're not condemned, but I'm interceding for you still on your behalf. He's still interceding for each and every one of us. And what he's talking about here when we get down to verse 37 through 39 is that we don't have to worry about losing our salvation, about any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, in verse 35, it says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Notice that. And then it says, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But the question isn't what will separate us, it's who will separate us. Satan will try to separate us, but he can't. Once we know the Lord, he cannot separate us. We're one, we're family, we're relationship. But he'll try to use things to get people to take their eyes off of him, to draw, uh, bring a separation through the fellowship. He never can through the relationship. So let's go back to when it says, will he not also give us with him freely, give us all things? What are all things and what's, what, he, what is he talking about here? If we go back up the page in your Bible in Romans chapter 8 and start with verse 26, this is what it says. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse 28, one of the scriptures we all have memorized, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love the Lord to those who are called according to his purpose. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. So what are all things? Well, one of the main things of all things that he gives us is his Holy Spirit. He gives each and every one of us his Holy Spirit. I'm going to read this. I don't know. Are you guys reading this with me every morning? Our daily bread? I'm going to read this past Wednesdays. It's really short. This is what it says. It says, 10,000 hours. That's how long author Malcolm Gladwell suggests it takes to become skillful at any craft. Even for the greatest artists and musicians of all time, their tremendous inborn talent wasn't enough to achieve the level of expertise that they would eventually attain. They needed to immerse themselves in their craft every single day. As strange as it might seem, we need a similar mentality when it comes to learning to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, Paul encourages the church to be set apart for God. But Paul explained that this couldn't be achieved through merely obeying a set of rules. Instead, we're called to walk with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word that Paul uses for walk in Galatians 5.16 literally means to walk around and around something or to journey. So for Paul, walking with the Spirit meant journeying with the Spirit each day. It's not just a one-time experience of His power. May we pray to be filled with the Spirit daily, to yield to the Spirit's work as He counsels, guides, comforts, and is simply there with us. And as we're led by the Spirit in this way, we become better and better at hearing His voice and following His leading. Holy Spirit, may I walk with you today and every day. So he gives us his Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, it says in Luke chapter 11. You know what? I'm going to turn there because I don't have this in my notes. Luke chapter 11. Give me a second. How many people bring their Bible and read their Bible with me? Good. Okay, I should have kept looking for Luke chapter 11 while I was asking that. Instead, I was looking for hands. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to start with verse 9. It says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receive, who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he has asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If we know how to give good gifts to our children, and you parents know what I'm talking about, we all like to give, bless our children with good gifts, how much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, God wants to give us His Holy Spirit because He knows we can't do it on our own. 
That's what we were talking about last week. He knows when we do it on our own, we just mess it up. We need to have the Holy Spirit to help us, to walk with us, to guide us, to lead us, to encourage us, to keep us from throwing in the towel and quitting and giving up. So this is what it says in Romans 8.26. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so I asked the question, what does that mean? And what does it mean that the Holy Spirit not only intercedes, but we have these groanings that are too deep for words? Well, Paul starts speaking that a little previously before that in the chapter. So if you look up um, a little higher in your Bibles, if you start with verse 18, this is what it says. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan with ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, that hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly wait for it. So notice here in verse 18, because this gives us some context of what's going on. Verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we have the sufferings of this present time that we go through. John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. In me, you may have peace, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Do you know that scripture, non-nons? You don't know where that scripture's tattooed on your side right now? Don't know that one. She has it tattooed on her side right there. It says... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. First of all, understand the sufferings we go through are real. The struggles we go through are real. And we're going through it. And what God's Word tells us here, and since I'm going to run out of time, I'm going to try to jump down a little bit. Verse 23 says, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. You see, the sufferings of the present time sometimes get so tough for us, so difficult for us, that we groan. We can't even get words out. We just groan. People can be hurting so much physically, emotionally, spiritually, that all we do is groan. We can't even really get words out. 
It's almost like uh, if you've ever had the wind knocked out of you, and probably most of us have, and the first time you ever have the wind knocked out of you, you think you're dying right there. And when finally noise comes out, it's normally like, you know, something like that. That's kind of what I'm talking about. That's kind of the pain that we go through at times in our lives. And some of you may be going through it right now, really, really difficult times, really tough, difficult times. And sometimes it's almost even before God, we're just crying out, but we're crying out in such a way that we're only groaning. And we even groan within ourselves. So you understand that we're groaning. And then if you go back to verse 26, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside us, help us so much, and help us to be a people of excellence and get through these difficult times that we're going through, that he hears our groanings. He hears what we're going through. And then he says, I'm going to take your groaning because I understand what's going on in your life and in your heart. And even though you don't even have the strength or whatever it takes to get the words out, I know what's in your heart, and I'm going to take that to the Father for you. I'm going to go before him for you, and I'm going to intercede on your behalf and tell him, this is what Dave's going through right now. This is what's going on in his life. This is what is happening. And so he takes that, and he starts interceding for us and helping us as he intercedes for us. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the heart's knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints, us. He intercedes for us, the saints, the ones who are groaning according to the will of God. And then verse 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. Even the times of groaning, even the times of pain that is so difficult for us, maybe we can't even literally get words out. God loves us so much and gave his spirit to us so that at times when we can't even, we can't even get out of bed, maybe literally get out of bed, God says, I'm going to intercede on your behalf. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to intercede on your behalf. I'm going to go on your behalf. You can't do it right now. You're not even strong enough to do anything. I'm going to go for you. And then he brings this intercession. And he says, not only that, but because I'm interceding, and I'm inter interceding, as it says here, according to the will of God, and because it's according to the will of God, then... I'm going to cause all things to work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So let's talk about this a second. We're building our lives with the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit who he sent to come alongside us to help us in this because we need him. See, the thing is, things don't always go exactly the way we want it to on a job site. Things don't always go right. They don't always work right. I know. I used to paint houses years ago. 
One time we were painting a house in San Clemente. Actually, not a house. I shouldn't say a house. This is a, a condominium complex that is right above the San Clemente Pier. If you look and see this great big condominium, we were painting. And up on the roof, uh, there was a five-gallon bucket of paint. And you have to understand when you have a five-gallon bucket of paint, it's like pudding because you have to mix it to get the consistent use, consistency you want. One of the guys knocked over a five-gallon bucket of paint on the roof of this condominium complex. Now, understand this is not just a roof. This is a place where people go. You can all go up, and you have a great ocean view, so it's really nice up there. Everything's nice. It's a nice for people who live there can go up. Even if you're not on the ocean side, you can go up there and have the get the picture, right? He uh, tells the boss, and the boss says, go get a bunch of rags and get it up. And this guy says, I have a better idea. I'm going to get a hose. Daryl, you ever painted before? Oh, yes. He gets a hose out. You know how much water it takes to dilute five gallons of pudding? Two. That's all. Just two gallons. You're done. It's all washed. Let's just say nowadays there would be a huge fine because not only is paint up on the roof, it's going down the side of the building down through the parking lot, out into the street, down to the gutter. And guess where that leads? Straight to the ocean. See, things don't always go the way we have planned. And, yeah. You know, the good news for me is actually um, it happened during Christmas time. When I was in school, I'd come home and I'd just go paint for him for a few weeks because we got a month off. So I'd actually take the month and paint to put extra money in my pocket sometimes. So I got to be there just for a little bit, and it happened right after, at the end of when I was going to be there, so I just got to leave and get out of there anyway. And I wasn't the one who did it, by the way. And if I did, I wouldn't admit it anyway. But it wasn't me. Things don't always go as planned. On job sites, things don't always work out. Sometimes subs don't show up when they're supposed to show up. Sometimes... Materials don't come. Sometimes they're the wrong materials. Sometimes when you're putting them in, you don't cut right. Measure twice, cut once. Sometimes we're in a hurry. We just do it. We blow it. I know I've talked to Jim. To, I shouldn't call him Jim. No one knows who Jim is. Dude, talk to dude over here. And when uh, dude was doing construction, he said, you know what? If I'm putting in a $10,000 front door, I have to charge $10,000 to put that door in. Why? Because if I mess up a $10,000 door, I have to replace it. So if I put in a $10,000 door and I mess it up, that's a lot of money to replace for just putting in. Things don't always go the way we have planned, the way they think they're going to go. They're not always perfect. I tell you, one thing I learned as a painter, you just got to keep doing it till you make it excellent. But it doesn't always go right. I remember painting another house, a really nice custom home. We were in, I was in there spraying, and the airless line broke in the house. And paint's just shooting everywhere all over the place. And it takes a little bit because you're in there, and you're going like this, and all of a sudden you don't have the pressure you should have. You're like, what the heck? So you figure maybe I lost prime or maybe I'm out of paint because normally somebody else is keeping track of that. The, the sprayer's just going 100 miles an hour, right? I'm in there spraying away. I lose it. I'm getting upset. I go to find out what they did wrong, and you see paint just shooting everywhere. Well, normally you have stuff covered, but that's in the room you're painting, not the room that your line's going through. 
So guess what? They got a free paint job. I didn't even charge them for that part. Oh, you can just keep this paint for free. Don't worry about it. So what do you do? You have to make it right. You have to go back and make sure that you make it right. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Our lives don't always go the way we think they're going to go. Sometimes God takes her husband. You've been married four months, and you're just like, oh, my, and it just smacks you upside the head. Maybe your husband leaves you. Maybe your wife leaves you. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe one of your, something happens to one of your children. One, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But God gives us his Holy Spirit to come alongside us, to help us, each and every one of us. You know why? Because each and every one of us need his help. Because each and every one of us could be the one that accidentally knocked over the five-gallon bucket of paint. It could happen. And nothing, nobody did anything wrong when that airless line broke. It just happened. It just had a weak point, and after so much time using it, it just broke and started. We don't, can't always see those things coming. God can. He's there to help us through so we can have a life of excellence. And then he promises all things work together for good, for those who love the Lord, do you love the Lord? Are you called according to his purpose? He's going to work it out no matter what it is. God's word promises he will work it out for good. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you, Lord, that you want to freely give us all things, that you want to freely give us your Holy Spirit, that you want to freely give us the fruit of your Spirit that you want to freely give us abundant life, that you want to freely give us, and the list goes on and on and on. And you are a good God. You are a good daddy. You have good plans for us, and we thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that, that as we're in your presence, all the other stuff just fades away. It just falls away. It just falls off us, Lord Jesus, and that we would spend more time in this journey, as we read in the, in the Daily Bread, that we would spend more time in the presence of your Holy Spirit, purposing to spend time with you throughout our whole day. And I just thank you for this. And I just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, while everybody's praying, maybe there's somebody here who's never accepted the Lord and invited him in. He only comes in by invitation. And he's knocking at your heart. He wants to come in. He wants to come help you in your life. He wants to help you put your life back together, put your family back together, put your children. He wants to help in all of it. And if you don't know him, you can know him this morning. If you want to know him, I invite you to stand up, to walk down front. I'll introduce you to him. You can have him in your life. He'll come. It'll be the best decision you ever make your whole life. I promise you that and guarantee you that. Anybody here would like to do that? Then, Father, I pray that every person in this room knows you and has a personal relationship with you. And if there's even, even if there's just one who doesn't, Lord, before they leave here today, they will come to know you. And now I pray for every Christian, Lord, that we will spend that time purposefully with your Holy Spirit in your presence each and every day, throughout each and every day, and crying out to you to help us build our lives and transform us the way you want us to be. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, 
Amen. Let's stand and close in song. Amen.